He's the only one I got. <laughs> so, um, man, I am so, so, so excited to um, share with you guys what the Lord has been um, showing me and teaching me. And, and um, you know, I learned a lesson about well, seven years ago, oddly enough, um, when something happens inside a family, man, it's for the family. You know, like when, when dad gets a new job, it's for the family. You know, when, when somebody gets a, a, a new opportunity, it's for the family. I learned a lesson seven years ago that when a good friend of mine got saved, we started seeing people get saved and healed and delivered and lots of other things I wasn't very comfortable with. But now love. For me, it felt like one man. I was like, Lord, one man, one. But when one something happens for one, it's for the family. The Lord just keep bringing me back to that. That like he's doing a thing. So I want to share with you guys some things that God is doing in me right now. And I just believe it's for the family. I totally believe it with everything in me. So we've been going through a series called Keys to Abundant Life. And uh, this one's about believing like Jesus. So here we go. And it's going to be meaty. So if you've got pens or notes or phones, you're going to want to take them out and you're going to write stuff down because God's like all over this stuff. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Also, the medicinal world calls this ADD, but God just calls it Jesse. So if I'm bouncing around, you know, just bless y'all to receive me. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Yeah, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord, renew our minds. Give us wisdom and revelation about what that looks like. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. All right. So, keep going. You get a... I love this so much. We get saved because we believe in Jesus, right? Well, we get free when we believe like Jesus. So when we believe in Jesus, we get saved. But you don't, <laughs> right? Come on, come on. Hit the streets <laughs> right now. <laughs> um but who knows, and don't raise your hand because it's all of you if you know Jesus. Who knows that, like, getting saved is not the conclusion, it's the beginning. You know, the salvation is a process, you know, that the Lord is working out. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling before a holy God. There's this holy process that is kind of like, man, that's kind of crazy because you're just constantly sanctifying me. And even when I run from you, you come after me. You know, it's like, in my life, I, I didn't, like, stop and choose God. My life train wrecked. I didn't have the energy to run anymore. And then God chose me. Welcome. You know, like, <laughs> freedom comes as we believe like the Lord. We renew our mind. We get the trash out. And I don't just mean sin. I mean, like, the, the things that the sin hides in. 
You know, it's like it's not the porn in a moment. It's the rejection that I say is for me that leads me to eat the garbage. It's like I'm not worth better than this. You know, it's not the constant struggle with what I wear, how I look, when I come out of the house, do I have my A game on, am I presentable? That's the bad fruit. The, the thing it's hiding in is that you don't know that it's okay to be you and that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, when we renew our minds and believe like Jesus, man, good fruit's coming. Real good fruit. So, two folks from Scripture, Moses and Ezekiel. So Moses had this encounter with God, right? You know, it's funny. if you just Wherever you pick up in, in one person's story, man, it's so funny because sometimes sometime when I was growing up, I believed this lie, right, that, um, that I had to be Jesus. I had to be Jesus. And, man, there's a ton of pressure and also an impossible task, unfortunately. I was very bad at it. There was only one real conclusion. It was to fail all the time at it. So my life felt like that. My life kind of felt like a failure. And, um, but I'm not called to be Jesus. He just calls me to be like him. And even the way that happens, Scripture says, is transformed from glory to glory as we behold him. That's why he said to Mary, this is the good part. You've chosen rightly. We just look to God. We turn the eyes of our heart to God, and he transforms us from glory to glory to glory. If you are stuck in trying to perform your way from glory to glory to glory, first of all, I feel you. Second of all, come see me because <laughs> we're going to get rid of that. So Moses, anyways, you pick up in this story with Moses. Depending on where you pick up, depends on what kind of man you think Moses is, you know. How, know, how many of us know that's true for our life? It's like, man, oh, God, <laughs> all right. Bless you for meeting me now. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Um, Moses had an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord's just, you know, dropping bombs in his, in his life. And I've heard some people say before that the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Uh, I beg to differ. Uh, there's been a lot of times where he may be gentle, but uh, there's been a lot of times in my life where he has done whatever he pleased. And uh, that's not the idea of a southern gentleman, but maybe that idea is broken, so that's why it's a new version. <laughs> so he's, God's just dropping prophetic bombs on Moses, you know, like it's a war. And Moses is like, ah, 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 no, 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 I can't do any of that stuff. You know, I, no, I can't lead these people. Are you kidding me? I stutter. I'm like not the man. I'm not the man, right? No thanks. Anyways, later, God says, and I just, I just love how God just, like, continues on. He just says whatever he, is true. You're like, I, look at me. I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. You know, those things are like, I don't call that very gentlemanly. That's called, like, the truth, all right? Pharaoh was worshipped as a god, right, in Egyptian times. He was seen as a god. He's worshipped as a god. If he didn't like you, he could kill you, and everyone supported it. He was God in Egypt. So for Yahweh to look at Moses and say, I've made you like a god to Pharaoh, that's pretty weighty. That's kind of like a, a word that Moses might have felt was out of his pay grade, you know? Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel in this vision with the Lord, and um, 
you know, the, the Lord has shown the value of dry bones. And, you know, why does God ask us questions? You know, it's like to reveal our hearts a little bit. And um, he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Oh, you know, Lord, you know, why are you asking me? <laughs> I would have loved like a paragraph there from Ezekiel and just hear what he had to say. But literally, the scripture says, oh, you know, Lord. So God just like barricades right over that. And it's like, again, he said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So these two men in Scripture are having encounters that I feel like give us some insight today. You can flip. So God wanted Moses to see himself differently than Moses saw himself. Who you are is larger than the assignment. You are not what you do. Let me repeat that. You are not what you do, Jesse Pilgrim. The assignment rather flows out of who you are. The message is your life. Become the message. Right? So God was calling Ezekiel and Moses up. You know, they weren't really interested. Right? They were just the Lord's man. The Lord's like, no, you're mine. Moses is like, I can't do this. You're literally asking me to do a task that doesn't fit my personality at all. Don't you know me? I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Ezekiel, what do you think about this? I don't know. <laughs> you know, God. Well, do this. Okay. You know, God's calling us up to who we really are. What he says about you is the truest thing about yourself. What God says is the truest thing about you. More than your personality. More than what your spouse knows. More than your best friend. What he says it's the truest thing about us, right? So as we become larger than the assignment, as we become the message, as our life becomes the message, yeah, that's what it looks like for no one in Athens to be safe from an encounter with God because we are spread out all across this city as the body of Christ. Every business, every avenue, the thing be turned upside down. Ezekiel, there are no hopeless circumstances only hopeless people. There are no hopeless circumstances. Only hopeless people. Perhaps God asked Ezekiel if the bones could live to prove this point. The Lord always partners with someone who is unreasonably optimistic. We may need to prophesy over ourselves even more so than other people. And why? Because there's some dead places in us that can totally live. I love the prophetic. I think it is a great translation of Father's love for someone. It totally can get mixed up in the flesh, just like everything else in the earth. But I love it. I love it in its pureness. I love how it communicates the heart of the Father. But man, we need to believe rightly and declare rightly over ourselves because there are things in us that we think are dead, but their real identity is life. They can still totally live, still have life, but we have to believe. So a couple things. I'm just going to be like quick hitters, just nugs. Me and Travis and a bunch of friends went out to Azusa in California for a big worship service, came back. 
and um, went to this global legacy thing. So Awakening as a church, as a body, we're part of a loose network of other churches um, called Global Legacy. There's no membership fees. We can't get kicked out. It's just brothers and sisters saying, hey, we beat to the same drum. Let's know each other, have relationship as much as we can, and, and seek the face of God, right? So in that space, uh, there was these two teachers, Steve and Wendy Backlin. Um, they're part of the Bethel community, and it was so sweet sitting with them. Literally, these people are just talking off the top of their head. Um, a lot of today's message is things that they were saying and um, what the Lord was sharing with me in that space. Um, because their life had become the message. Their life was the walking manifestation of what they were saying. Uh, it's really, it was pretty amazing just watching them, even as a couple, interact and the way they like co-labored and ministered together. It's like, wow, Lord, you've just done a thing. You know when you meet somebody in a space and you're like, gosh, God has just done a thing in you. Like when I'm with you, I'm encouraged. I'm like reminded of the truth. There's something stirred in me. Like I become almost like holy jealousy, like zealous for like what God's doing, man, you know? That's the way I felt sitting with them and talking with them. No notes, no nothing. They're literally just up there spitballing off the top of their heads and not because they're super anointed. It's because Jesus has wrecked their lives with truth and they're walking in that and they're believing that. And so they're just giving that away, giving that away. So a lot of today's stuff comes from that. And some of the things I just wanted to share, I feel like the Lord is doing in us as friends, as family, and as a community in Athens. So one thing he said was, we will never contend for what we don't believe is ours. I'll say that again. We will never contend for what we don't believe is ours. We must know our inheritance. People can never do what they don't believe they are. So sometimes, as a, as a Christ follower, um, especially in America, there's, there's such a, a stronghold of religion. And what I mean by that is that the performance-driven, I do this so that I am this. It's like related to our works, that thing, you know? It's in the natural and the spirit. So that religious spirit, you know, it's, and it's just as common, you know, it's like I was having a great conversation with somebody at a concert yesterday. Um, I grew up in a conservative environment. For the past five or six years, I've been in more charismatic environments. The religious spirit is the same. It's the same brokenness. It's called humanity. You know, doesn't matter what environment you're in, exalt the name of Jesus. Doesn't matter what environment you're in, you're going to encounter people trying to perform in whatever way they feel is there to do whatever they think they're supposed to do, right? But we know different. We know better. We know Jesus had the ultimate performance. He bore it all. That so we don't have to strive. We just have to look to him and seek him and obey him and trust him quickly. So Psalm 16, the Lord told me one time, was a psalm over my life. And man, it was like really offensive because it's hard to believe for me at the time. This is five or six years ago. And Psalm 16 just walks down like, you know, how we have a beautiful inheritance. It says, indeed, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Man. That's the Jesse translation. Man, I have a beautiful inheritance. You know, I knew that in my mind. I knew that it was right, right? I'd grown up in church. I was a believer, yada, 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 any number of experiences. But in my heart, man, whew, that wasn't getting in. There were structures in the way. There were things. There were lies that I believed. 
that really just left that no room for me to actually believe. Like I believe when I sit down in this chair that it's going to hold my, my butt, like believe real easily. That was nowhere near me. So Psalm 16 was something the Lord really spoke to. Um, one, thing, one thing Wendy said in that space, um, and now Wendy, just to give you a little background, um, as a person, she was just kind of testifying to how Jesus changed her from whatever her personality supposedly was. That, um, and I'm not saying personalities aren't real. I'm just saying that like God's identity in us is the, re- the realest real. That's the greatest reality is who God says we are. She was saying that she was just kind of a, let me think of a better way to say that. She complained a lot. She was, um, she just whined and complained and was sour and just was just like a person who, she even knew it about herself. She's like, oh gosh, I'm this way. You know, she just thought it was her like portion though. You know, she didn't like being that way, but it was. She was who she was. And so the Lord just took her through this process and really showing her that the reason she felt like that was her natural was because of the lies she believed about herself. And those lies were the things that kind of held that personality in place. And now she's just this pretty, like, easygoing, you know, She's still an introvert, but she's, she's talking. She's sharing comfortably. She's sharing on the mic how she's like, I never would have done this. I never would have, like, shared on a microphone. And if I did, it certainly wouldn't have been this easy, you know. So she, anyway, this is where this is coming from. She says, the word of God is referred to in Ephesians as a sword of the spirit. It's a sword because it's meant to kill something. If you're not using the word of God to kill something, you're not using it rightly. It's meant to kill the disappointment, shame, and discouragement of past experience. So a lot of times, like, some of the channels that those things come through, these lies, are experiences that happen to us. Maybe there was a situation where I wasn't valued. It doesn't mean I'm not valuable. For me, I repetitively in my life kept having authorities reject me, reject me, reject me, reject me, especially within the church. That's really where it started for me. So naturally, I began to assume that every authority was going to reject me, reject me, reject me, reject me. And now I did have experiences that were not of the Lord. People said some stupid things to me, stupid. People didn't move in agreement with him. They lined up with the enemy, you know, and sent bullets. That was real, but it's not real about me. I love authority. And I'm blessed by the authorities in my life. You know, so you may have real moments that were real. They were ugly and sin. But does it mean that's what's true about you? You know, we have to distinguish. We have to take the sword of the spirit that cuts bone and marrow and distinguish, you know. And then, and then he said this, and this was so good. More so than demonic principalities The stronghold of past experience is what's holding back the purposes and things of God in a region. Bad belief systems in the mind of Christians. Most of the systems have been created by agreeing with the past. And he gave the example of Gideon, right? He was talking to a bunch of pastors and church leaders, and he said, yeah, you guys having a tough time with church growth? He's like, Gideon's church went from 30,000 to 300, and he just couldn't be bothered. He had so much renewed hope. 
You know, and God whittled the church down. How, how tough for Pastor Gideon. You know, he had this army. And I was, I'm thinking just like the difference in reality between 300 people and what 30,000 people is. It was like huge, right? So God like whittles it down and then he whittles it down again. He's like, no, just take 300 in, you know, to fight the Midianites. That way the people will know I did it. And then he did it and he crushed them. And Gideon was like, awesome. But he has his renewed hope, you know. And um, because of what the Lord was doing, his hope was in the Lord. And they said, our hope level influences, excuse me, our hope level determines our influence level. They're directly correlative. You know, the influence that we have in the people's lives around us is directly correlative to the hope that we have in Christ and how much we are allowing that to renew our minds. He said, to be clear, it's not about positive thinking. It's about biblical optimism. This was really good for me. I don't know if anybody else in here is like this, but I've, the Lord has been delivering me, just getting rid of these things in me that are very self-critical. I criticize myself quickly and harshly, and he's just been ridding of that. So this was really encouraging for my heart. He said, the lack of hope is like the check engine light on the car. We're not condemned by it. It's just great information. It hopefully will lead us to an opening the hood moment. We open up our minds and do a tune-up on what we're believing. What we believe leads us to hope. We can't work up hope and faith, but rather it's taking every pencil of God and owning it. We must submit to the process. And she was like, how many scriptures do we know by heart but just don't believe? I don't know. I don't know that. I think there's much more yielded reward in believing the word of God than memorizing the word of God. The hope in memorizing is that you'll believe it, not the other way around. You know, memorization is, is the tool that helps us believe, you know, soak us in this God. Belief is not the tool that helps us memorize. It's not that way. And then they're just dropping bombs left and right, right? And these circumstances, hopelessness. And they said, our circumstances do not create hopelessness. And I was like, well, hold on now. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I feel like I've had some moments that I felt like were evil. You know, I had some situations I found myself in that, that really just didn't scream anything like hope or light or love or anything. And he said, it's not our circumstances that create hopelessness. It's the conclusions that we arrive at based on our circumstances, and that creates the hopelessness in us. We believe the lie about the circumstance. It's not your circumstance that creates the hopelessness. It's the conclusion you arrive at about your circumstance that creates the hopelessness. That is the thing the Lord wants to crush. Give us new conclusions new identities, refresh what we know and don't know about ourselves. You can go on. said, our hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I mean, I just think inside the body. I mean, I know in my life and in my friends' lives and in just testimonies, man, when the body of Christ wakes up, when we're like lit on fire, Cities change, like stuff transforms because we have the hope of glory in us. We have Holy Ghost 
who is literally, his, you know, his job is sanctification, restoration, redemption. And we got to get out of this cycle of hopelessness. We have to leave. Lord, help us. Get us out. This thing is like a grip on our minds and our lives. And, we, and then it's tough because we, we start to encounter shame. We feel horrible for feeling this way because we know that we shouldn't. But it's not the feeling so much that I think, I think we need to eradicate. It's the, it's the difference between the lie and the truth and getting rid of the lies that we believe and the conclusions that we make because of what's happening. God is, um, God's got a really amazing voice, right? You know, um, when he speaks, things come to life. I, uh, I just started recently um, going through the Chronicles of Narnia, the books. I've never read them. And um, I started listening to an audio book. This amazing part where I just got so tender. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. I'm totally going to cry. <laughs> where in the creation, Aslan's like singing. I mean, I just, it's such a sweet picture. I'm like, yeah, that's what your voice is like, Lord. You like bring stuff to life. You brought me to life. I was dead. I had no dreams, no passion, no energy, no nothing. And I did nothing except receive the life you sang over me. That is what resurrection looks like. Totally. That's the voice of the Lord. That's the one who speaks truth to us. You know, we live and serve and take on the yoke of someone that powerful. That is what our life has to bring to the table. Hopelessness invites gunk into our pipes, right? Well, laughter cleans out the pipes. When we can laugh at a lie, its grip on our mind loosens. Lies sound really real in the darkness of our minds. When we say it out loud and laugh at it, we become more aware of how ridiculous it is. So there's this test they talked about, by the way, if you're trying to figure out where something's a lie or a truth, just picture Jesus coming up to you and saying it to you. And if you can picture Jesus, his face in front of you saying it, okay. But if you can't, it's probably a lie. (laughs) So I've been trying it. It really works. I'll just like be thinking something, and I'll picture the Lord come up to me and saying, son, I'm like, oh, yeah, you would never say that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's so ridiculous. So you flip to the next one. So we're going we're gonna to laugh at some lies, and I'm going to get us started, all right? So first of all, let's do a little couple vocal exercises to uh, kind of warm us up. So a little la, 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 la. That's not speaking in tongues. That's Miss Washburn's chorus. Um, but <laughs> whatever... <laughs> Whatever you need to uh, just kind of, ah, ah. So please, please make some noise because you're all going to laugh. You're going to help me. This isn't even for you. I mean, I'm, you're helping me. These are my lies we're about to read through, all right? So let's practice. Let's practice laughing. Go. Ha, 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 Has anybody got a cookie monster laugh? <laughs> right, so when you laugh at a lie... It, um, yeah, it's okay if it feels a little weird right now, just to be, just to help you. Like, it's good. It's really good. Because the truth is, 
We're not after laughing. We're after like crushing lies, like in the teeth. So if laughing helps, then yeah, I'm, I'm down. Come on, let's laugh. So these are some lies that I've believed in my life. And so when I, um, when I get to the end of the sentence, you guys just be my friend and laugh with me at it because it's, it's not true about me. All right, so here's a lie I believed for a while. I'm not a worthy recipient of God's love and favor. He should totally find a more reliable investment. (laughs) Oh, okay. Thanks. That was great. Man, I I felt great. Thanks. Um, I am just a mistake maker, and I'm so sorry I'm that way. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so another lie that I used to believe. I have to work really hard to do lots of good because I've got so much bad. And really, the scales need to be balanced. That's, that's the gospel. Everyone else, all of you, is uh, more valuable than me. (laughs) So those are real. I know I'm giggling, but this is actually very vulnerable. (laughs) Don't be fooled. Um, Those are lies that the Lord has been delivering out of my life. Um, And as I say them out loud, yeah, they lose their power. There's something in that. For you, you're looking at me like, that's so ridiculous, Jesse. Like, no way, man. Well, that's the way I feel about you. That's the way God feels about us. It's like, no, are you kidding me? Psh, get that out of here. That's garbage, you know? These are lies from my life. So, move forward. We're going to go after some freedom together. The truth sets us free, right? Lies restrict us. So how about this? And I love this, too. I'm going to paint this on a wall or something as soon as God gives me the ability to paint. Instead of wanting to do something great, do what you're doing right now with great faith. So what are you doing, right? What, are you, what do you do? You work? Where do you work? Where do you go to school? Who's in your family? Who are you dating? Who are you trying to go on dates with? Who's around you? Who's in your small group? Who do you do ministry with? Where do you take out the trash? Instead of waiting to do something great, do what you're doing right now with great faith. So faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Faithfulness is not just showing up. Faithfulness is how you think when you show up. What you believe before the meeting, gathering, coffee time, worship service, or whatever else is your medium is even more powerful than what you believe after. That's what we want. We want to show up believing God. Now, granted, God is so kind. Every time I I come to any moment with just broken stuff, he never gets tired of pouring his love out on me. That was another lie I thought. Let's laugh at that. God gets tired of pouring out his love on me. (laughs) Thanks, God. (laughs) 
So yeah, we want that, right? Faith is the power behind what we do. We must come in agreement with what the Lord says as we are obeying him. You want to see something different? You're going to have to believe something different. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see something different, then we're going to to have to believe something different. Okay? What's the next line? All right. So... I'm going to share this testimony real quick. And this is literally something God's teaching in my life right now. So twice I've tried to go sit with my friend Steve and uh, who does a lot of prayer stuff. And I'm like, Steve, teach me how to intercede, man. I just don't know that I've really spent a lot of time learning. It's like I'm not ashamed of it. I just that muscle in my walk with Jesus is kind of unused. Um, I talk to God all day, but sitting down and like just really praying through and going after the things of God it's just like not a common space. And I used to say something like, oh, I'm not an intercessor, you know? <laughs> so that was just really not accurate. <laughs> All of us are intercessors. <laughs> All of us, the veil's been torn for, and we <laughs> go in to that place with God, you know? It's not about my Jesus personality. It's about my Jesus. So I tried to go, right? I was like, Steve, just teach me how to pray. And we're like, all right, all right. And I'm thinking like, man, yeah, we're going to pray for the cities and call down strongholds and break off. You know, just I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know. Whatever, whatever that looks like in intercession, you know, Rambo in the spirit. And um, I'm telling you, I don't know. But that's, that's what makes sense to me, right? <laughs> so I go in there and I'm like, yeah, Steve, teach me how to pray. And Jesus does like an inner healing session on me. And I'm like, I got, I mean, really confused, but literally the Lord has me on my face, repenting, a deep repentance, like night four of impact, like about to go back home, like repentance, more broken than I can manifest, repenting for not receiving the words that he's spoken over my life. Like the craziness of that, right? For me in my heart. Because I, I had issues with authority, and so when words are given to me that you're an authority in the body of Christ, you have a Peter calling on your life, you're a general in the army of God, that stuff doesn't sit well with me, or at least it didn't. Those are, those are tough places for me. Those are things that are really tender to me based on what I've experienced in my life. But God has me on my face repenting, right? Holy fear. I'm like overcome by it. I'm like, I don't necessarily experience a lot of, um, I guess what people would call really manifesty things. I'm like super down. I just, it's just not the language God's chosen to spoke with me right now. You know, it's like, I'm down. Let's go, Lord. Let's go in there. Whatever. I don't care. So when I experience like something like that where my equilibrium's a little off or I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, it's like, it's really heavy in my life, right? So I'm on my face, holy fear of God. God shows me this vision where I'm walking with him in rooms of a house, and I'm so excited to be there. I was like, is there ice cream? Because I'm really excited. <laughs> like, why am I this excited? And he shows me this library, huge books everywhere. He's leading me through. We're almost kind of like frolicking, like, ah, oh, we're in love, you know, like going through this house. And um, I'm like, Jesus, where are we? And he says, this place is called the house of my heart. I mean, very clearly, like, top five most clear visions of my life. 
okay. So Steve, my buddy Steve's like, hey, man, then, you know, what's going on? I so tell him about what I'm seeing. He's like, well, did Jesus say anything? So I just lied and told him no because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and um, he's like, okay, okay. About three seconds later, Steve's like, yeah, I just feel like the Lord's saying this is the house of your heart. I was like, God, Jesus, come on, don't tell my secrets. <laughs> and, you know, when your buddy, like, verbatim quotes you, I was like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll get in line. And um, Jesus was, I was like, wait, Lord, if this is my heart, why am I so excited to be there? And it started clicking. It's like, oh, this is that thing you've been running after for me to love myself. For me to see me the way that you see me. I was so excited to be in this room. So excited. You know? And Jesus is like, that's, how, that's what your heart's like. This is the house of your heart. And you love being here. Oh, man. It was weepy sesh for a while. And just the Father's love just pouring over me. He's just continuing to pull back these layers of self-criticism, Right? Second time, a couple weeks later, I go to meet with Steve, and I'm like, all right, so I know God did this, like, counseling thing the first time. It was awesome. Let's, like, learn how to intercede, all right? Let's pray. So we go in there, and we're like, all right, God, teach us how to pray. We're going to pray for the city, and, you know, just like whatever it looks like. And God just drops another bomb, just, like, takes me right back to Cindy Galtney's office and, like, you know, just Sozo 101. And um, I'm like... I first saw this picture that I'll explain in a minute about what revival will look like in Athens. And then I saw this thing that looked like the Parthenon, this enormous white building with huge steps, with pillars and and all this stuff. I mean, I was like, wow, that place is so dope. Where, what is that? I mean, I was so excited. And um, the Lord said, this is you. This is the house that I'm building in you. I'm like, a house? That's the Parthenon, God. Like, what are you, this is enormous. He's like, I know. He's like, hundreds are going to come in. You're going to host the presence of God. You're going to host my presence, not just encounter it. You're going to host it. People are going to come and be refreshed and be sent out. I'm just like, and literally, you know, a couple weeks before, God has me on my face repenting for not believing what he says. So you don't just like, you know, give that the proverbial finger. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to learn to receive what you say. And there are these four pillars in this house, right? One of them was freedom from depression, purity. One of them was freedom from the lust, excuse me, freedom from depression, peace. One of them was freedom from the lust cycle. It was purity. One is passion, passionate friendship with Jesus at the root of everything, and then purpose. And Jesus said, I'm teaching you how to love yourself So that you can love others to the degree to which I have the calling on your life. So I've been going after this thing, right? Well, the Lord has in me where it's like, we must believe. We must believe who he says we are. I was like, Jesus, wow, this is like, this is the gate. This is the gate to walking in destiny. Really getting behind and believing who you say I am. And that's hard because our hurts are real, right? We're real people who experience real things. It's real. I don't, Jesus didn't make light of it for me. He just showed me the greater reality. So 
Oh, this is what Wendy said. So good. It was a lot harder to sacrifice my beliefs than my actions. I said, but God, I know me. And God said, no, you don't. You just know what you've become. God has been re-educating me about me. And it's literally healing my life. Because I'm learning who he says I am in a fuller way unto loving who he sends me to in a full way. So we're going to go after a little freedom. So here's what I need you to do. Everybody stand up, get a partner. If you don't have one, find one. Raise your hand if you need a partner. Look for a raised hand. Greg, come be my partner. Anybody else? All right, so here's what I want you to say. One at a time, I want you to look at the other person and simply say, let's believe. Yeah, I have a mentor in my life who tells me that all the time. He's like, just believe him, baby. Just believe. And I'm like, but it's so hard. I just want to do mental Olympics and strive. <laughs> just believe him, baby. <laughs> so here's some true things about us. All right? Here's some true things. So the first, I want you to turn towards your partner. We're going to go one at a time. And I want you to just declare it about yourself, not about them, but about you. So first one is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All right, now the other person. Oh, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. Yeah, that's true. The Bible says it. That's in the B-I-B-L-E, man. Next one, I'm a child of God, and I belong to him. Come on. All right, the next one, I'm loved by God, and nothing can separate me from his love. God's got good things for me. I have a beautiful inheritance. I am saved by grace. You, you might have to look at this one. This one's, I got kind of personalized it. I am saved by grace as a gift not because of my performance. And with that in mind, I can't lose it based on my performance. (laughs) 
Come on. Yeah. Just feel it lifting off. Just feel it like just the freshness. Freshness. You feel stuck? Man, declare to God. So we're going to up the ante a little bit. I need some help. Some of my men, come help me. So just take handfuls and like pass them out. Do it quickly if possible. Just turn it. Does everybody get a clicker? Open up the box, pull your clicker out. Somebody tell me what time it is. Praise God. All right, get your clicker out. So, everybody got a clicker? Everybody got a clicker? All right. We are totally about to become clickbait. (laughs) That sounds like something you'd say. All right, so, so they issued this challenge. And I'm inviting, I'm inviting you guys into this challenge with me, all right? So this one's for free, what we're about to do. But for the next 40 days until the end of April, I'm every single day going to say 50 true things about myself. Yeah, 50 true things a day about me. 50 declarations. If you want to do this with me, give me five bucks. Well, yeah, that's what they cost. What I'm saying, you get to do this for free. They were like four something plus shipping. So you're actually a little bit more than that. But here's what I'm saying. If you want your own clicker, I mean, I'm going to let you use these today. But if you want one, if you want to buy into this, I'm not making any money. After this, later, Venmo me. Give me five bucks and one of these is yours. All right? If you don't, but I'm, the reason I even say that is because it's like, man, if you're going to do this, let's do it. Let's do it. Take the challenge up with me. Yeah, so when I click this, I love it, all right? You know why? Because it's like the deposit. To me, it feels like a deposit that I'm saying, like, that's the truth. Yes. It's like my bank in the Lord is getting more and more and more, more resources, more belief, more faith. I can't work up hope and faith. Are you kidding me? Have any of you guys ever tried to change your own heart? Good luck. But what I want to do is position myself, and what I want to do is challenge my friends and family to let us position ourselves to receive hope and faith in Jesus. That's what I want. I believe that if we stay, if we choose the good part, if we sit at his feet, he will change the game. That's what I believe. So we're going to up the ante. These are going to be a little more personal. All right? After you say one... So, I radiate light wherever I go, and I shine like a firework in the night. Let's say that together. I radiate light in the night. If you don't feel it, it's okay. There's some of these I still don't feel. I'm just believing God to change my heart. So, I have strength 
Well, let's just read it together. I have strength for all the tasks to which God has called me. And even in my weakness, no, especially in my weakness, that strength looks awesome. Yeah, this one gets real close to home for me. It's about to get real tender up here. <laughs> here we go. I love being disciplined because it trains me for righteousness and peace. And that's exciting. <laughs> here we go. I don't get jealous of others' victories because God provides for all my needs. On top of that, I'm his favorite. <laughs> God is not ashamed of me. Man. All right, so here's the last part of this challenge, and then we're getting out of here. Band, if you'll go ahead and come back up. Yeah, you know. I'll tell that in a minute. Drake, you can just kind of play behind us. So I want you to look back to your partner, and I want you to just take one risky step, all right? I want you to declare something that's risky. Let's believe God. Let's believe. So just take a second. Just think of one true thing about yourself that maybe you don't believe it. I don't want the other person to tell it to you. We've got to own it for ourselves. I'm so thankful. Community helped save my life. My friends held my hands. My friends held my hands. When my life was in shambles, when I was a heavy trip, but it wasn't until Jesus told me I was valuable and I believed him that I started to experience this resurrected life. We have to own it for ourselves. Can't have somebody else's baby. I got to have my own baby. So I want you to declare one thing about yourself to the other person. And I don't want the other person to tell you it. I just encourage you to take a risk. Think about the things in your life that are hard to believe. Think about what God said to you. Who he's told you you are. And whenever you're ready, in a few seconds, let's take a risk together. Drake's going to play a little bit. You're just going to have this moment. After this, if our ministry team too, whoever they are, after you have your declaration, come forward. And if you want prayer, please come receive it. We'd love to pray for you. Um, and then you guys, you can bounce.